0: Now it's time to take a sports break. A look at sports history on a daily basis. Hello, my friends of sports history. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your place for all things great in sports history. And welcome to another edition of the Sports Break, where we are going to talk about some of the greatest events in sports history that occurred on the day of May 1st. And boy, are we football heavy. We're going to talk about football near the end. We're going to cover the other major sports first. But before we do that, let's talk about how easy it is to sign up for our daily newsletter you go to the show notes of this very podcast or go to the top of pigskindispatch.com or jerseydispatch.com answer two quick questions and every day about 6 30 a.m eastern you'll receive a newsletter that tells you everything that's going on in pig that's the sports history of the day that's our specials and our bonus features uh with authors and experts from around the country and around the world really talking about sports history it's really easy to sign up for show notes top of pigskin dispatch top of jerseydispatch.com cancel at any time totally free now let's get to that sports history for may 1st May Day is what they call it and many people should probably call it sports history day because boy is this filled with some great hall of famers and some great events in sports history and we're going to start off with some uniform numbers and uh you know some of the may first date and some of those that we want to talk about is a team by the name of the toledo blue stockings back in 1884 made history by signing a catcher named moses fleetwood walker now it doesn't sound like that big of a deal until one we know that walker was an african-american and is hailed to be the first black man to play major league baseball the predecessor of the american league the american association in an effort to compete It was the well-established National League at that point in 1884 added the Blue Stockings, which was a minor league team that hired Walker in 1883, a year prior, to play in their conference of baseball teams that they played in then. Now, declaring themselves as a major league, the Blue Stockings with Moses Walker behind a plate took the field against the Louisville Eclipse. And Moses had graduated from the University of Michigan after transferring from Oberlin College, and Walker did not wear gloves as in protection as it was common practice in that era of baseball. And unfortunately, this was a contributing factor to the injuries that would prematurely end his playing career. But Moses Fleetwood Walker, a real trailblazer back in the 19th century. And in 1901 on May 1st, the Chicago White Sox outfielder Herm McFarland hit a, the first Grand Slam home run in American League history. The four-run shot led to a Sox 19-9 win at home against the Detroit Tigers. Of course, it didn't help matters when the visitors also committed 12 errors. On May 1st, 1906, the Philadelphia Athletics pitcher John Lush threw a no-hit shutout against the Brooklyn Superbas for a 6-0 win for the A's. And on May 1st, 1920, the Bambino slugger Babe Ruth number 3 of the New York Yankees hit his first bomb over the wall for his new club, the New York Yankees. Now, let's take a moment of hockey for May 1st. There's not much news in May 1st, but it's a good one on May 1st, 1965, Hockey Hall of Fame goaltender Gump Worsley who wore number 1 for the Montreal Canadiens shut out the Blackhawks by the score of 4-0 in game seven of the finals to win the Stanley Cup Championship. Gumpers Whitewash was only second shutout in a Game 7 of the finals in league history. Also another future Montreal Hall of Famer. Number 4 Jean Bellevue became the first winner of the Conn Smythe Trophy as the MVP of the finals. And that was inspired by the Vintage Hockey Jerseys.com website. Make sure you check them out. They've got some great hockey history for each day of the year and some great uh, products as well that maybe you could find interest to now let's go to nba.com for some more inspiration and this is from the hard courts for may 1st history and in 1980 a group that would become the dallas mavericks was granted an expansion franchise by the nba the mavs bring a total number of nba teams to 23 on that day some 40 years ago and you want to talk about big numbers, well, how about number 23 of the Chicago Bulls? May 1st, 1988, Michael Jordan became the first player to score 50 or more points in consecutive playoff games when he drilled Cleveland for 55 points in Chicago's 106-101 victory in game two of their Eastern Conference Tilt in the first round. Now, the game won on April 28th. Jordan scored 50 points in Chicago's 104-93 victory. Definitely made a difference in these close games when you put up a half a cinch, you know that's a pretty good day and Michael Jordan was definitely that and a box of chocolate. Now let's go to this dayinbaseball.com website as they have some great info on each day of the year at least each day of the baseball season and they have some great items from May 1st as well and we're going to grab a couple of those just to show off what uh, they have there. On May 1st 1912 George Sisler a freshman at the University of Michigan struck out 20 players in 7 innings and Sisler would start his Hall of Fame career in 1915 with the St. Louis Browns but would game more fame as a field player uh, in the major leagues and and on May 1st 1925 a 17 year old Jimmy Fox pinch hit singles his first major league at bat and the A's 9-4 loss to Washington at Griffith Stadium. Future Hall of Famer will finish with his 20-year career with a 325 lifetime batting average and from a more modern era we were going to go to the year of uh, 1969. And Don Wilson of the Houston Astros pitched his second career no-hitter. That all comes from thisdayinbaseball.com for May 1st. And boy, do they have uh, a lot of information there. I think you'll really enjoy them. Baseball, thisdayinbaseball.com Another great baseball site that we like to go to is our friend Jay Daniel, who wrote the famous book Suds Series, has his 80sbaseball.com website. And we love to go there. He has some a lot of birthdays that pertain to uh, 1980s players not people born in on, on the 1980s but uh, that were had birthdays and played in major league baseball 1980s and he's got uh, some debuts and one of them is dwight smith that went 0 for 3 in his big leg debut but finished the season batting 323 and is a runner-up to teammate jerome walton for the national league rookie of the year award and he also had a big blow up on May 1st, 1980. Bill Madlock of the Pittsburgh Pirates, third baseman and umpire Jerry Crawford have a disagreement over a check swing that leads to the Mad Dog being suspended. And uh, that was not a pretty sight. I can remember watching that game and uh, didn't work out so well for the Mad Dog. The umpires always win as the movie The Umpire Strikes Back, I guess you could say. Bad joke, bad joke. Don't, don't write in on that one okay let's uh, go to our football for the day because we told you this is a busy day in football we have a lot of hall of fame birthdays we want to get to and we'll st- let's go through them right now ernie pinkert is a college football hall of fame player. On May 1st, 1908, he was born in Medford, Wisconsin, and he was a flashy halfback of the Southern Cal Trojans of 1929 to 1931. Er Ernie had a skill set a few players in his era had, with a combination of being able to bust off a long run at any moment, catch passes, and produce powerful blocks. That's good for a running back in any era. And he ended up uh, going into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1957, ended up getting drafted in the NFL, played with the Boston Braves, Boston Redskins, and then they turned into Washington Redskins in the NFL. Ollie Matson, who we have talked about quite a bit with our friend Joe Ziemba over the years, he was born May 1st, 1930 in Trinity, Texas, as the University of San Francisco stud halfback from 1949 to 51. Now, he was blessed with some great size, speed, and balance, so very few people have that in any era, and he ended up going into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1976 But before that, he played in the NFL. He was the number one overall pick by the Chicago Cardinals in the 1952 NFL draft. He played well for the Cards, but was traded to the Rams in 1959 for nine players. Uh, You can learn more about that one uh, in our previous football history headlines. But he ended up racking up over 12,000 yards of total offense in the league and was enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1972. Next, we go to May 10th, 1910 in Akron, Ohio. The strong halfback from the season of 1928 to 1931 of the West Virginia Wesleyan, Cliff Jip Battles, was born. And he was uh, very much a master of busting awesome long runs. We have a great bit of uh, running backs in our Hall of Fame birthdays today. Uh, he ended up going uh, into the uh, College Football Hall of Fame in 1959. And. Uh, Ended up being going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1968 after a great uh, uh, career with the Washington Redskins. So another Washington Redskins uh, back, and he also uh, went to served in the World War II, and then came back and coached the Brooklyn Dodgers of the All-America Football Conference in 1946-1947. Curtis Martin is one that we've all heard. He was born May 1st, 1973, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was a quick-footed running back, father of the University of Pittsburgh, drafted by the New England Patriots in the third round of the 1995 NFL Draft, and he rewarded his employers by leading the AFC in rushing his rookie season. According to the Pro Football Hall of Fame's website, Curtis was the second player in NFL history to have started a career with 10 consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. In 11 years with both the Patriots and later the New York Jets, he was a team leader in rushing yards every single season for his respective teams. His career totaled over 14,000 yards on the ground and he scored 90 touchdowns and 10 or more ca- t- more touchdowns, cutting, catching passes. Now, Curtis Martin in tw- 2012 was entrained into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Another College Football Hall of of Famer is Chris Red Cagle, born May 1st, 1905 in DeRitter, Louisiana, and he played for Louisiana Lafayette from 1922 to 1925, and for Army for the 1926 through 1929 seasons. He was a halfback, and he uh, ended up chalking up 235 points by scoring touchdowns, kicking extra points, and converting field goals in his career. He was an All-American halfback for his last three seasons at West Point, and uh, just a tremendous player, ended up going into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1954. How about May 1st, 1937? A player was born in Surry County, Virginia, who was a tackle from Maryland Eastern Shore, Roger Brown. Now, Roger Brown was a massive lineman for his era. In fact, when Roger entered the pro ranks, he may have been one of the first 300-pound-plus players. Now, despite his stature, Brown had a stamina and athletic ability to still play in a demanding one-platoon era he dominated opponents in, in that era. Now, Roger Brown received the great honor of being selected for inclusion in the College Football Hall of Fame in 2009, and he had a brilliant career in the NFL as well our last Hall of Famer in football. He was born May 1st, 1900 in Beru, Wisconsin. His name was Stan Barnes, a two-way center tackle from the University of California from 1918 to 1921. Now, the National Football Foundation shares that Stan was a member of that legendary Cal Wonder teams of Andy Smith of 1920 and 1921. In his junior and senior seasons, he played in two consecutive Rose Bowls. The 1920 squad won the national championship going undefeated in nine games and scoring 510 points and giving up only Now, brilliant seasons that he had, uh, including they had a game against St. Mary's where they won 127 to nothing, and they beat the Ohio State Buckeyes in his senior year at a score of 28 to nil in the Rose Bowl, and he uh, went proudly into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1954, and that was Stan Barnes. And boy, I told you we had some great Hall of Famers, but we're not done because we still have some more football news that we want to tell you. And our football history headline of the day that talks about the Philadelphia Eagles being sold. Now, former owner Jerry Woolman was forced to sell back in May 1st, 1969 to trucking magnate Leonard Post, who bought the Eagles franchise for a professional sports record at the time of 16.5 million dollars. That sounds like Pocket changed today. Uh, they're up in the billions now selling NFL franchises. But nonetheless, that was a big day. On this date in nineteen eighty four, it was the NFL draft in Wide receiver Irving Fryer was the first pick by the New England Patriots in a 1984 NFL draft. And uh, he was followed by Dean Steinculler, a tackle from Nebraska, who went to Houston, and Carl Banks to the New York Giants. Kenny Jackson, a wide receiver from Penn State, went to the Philadelphia Eagles. And Kansas City picked up Bill Moss, a nose tackle from Pittsburgh, and that was your top five we have the top 10 showing on pigskindispatch.com, and uh, we have many more items there as well. And also some more on sports jersey dispatch and uh, jerseydispatch.com. And uh, we are sure glad that you were able to join us here today for this little sports break for May 1st. Hope you join us back tomorrow and next time as we all times as we uh, talk about sports history. And until next time, have a great sports history day. This penalty kill is almost over. I got to get back out on the ice. But thanks again for joining us for another great edition of Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow.